Thanks for checking out the Tennessee Holler Podcast, the flagship podcast of the Tennessee Holler Podcast Network. Subscribe to and support the Holler at www.tnholler.com to help us fearlessly yell the truth about Tennessee. And be sure to subscribe to the growing family of Holler Podcasts while you're there. You can also follow the Holler on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the TN Holler. Tennessee. 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 Hi everybody, welcome back, Holler Hour, Tuesdays, Thursdays, 2pm, hopefully you know that by now, thank you for joining us, follow all the hollers all across the state, there they are, thank you for all the support you've all given us, also check out the podcast network that Cassie's been putting together, and if you chip in more than 10 bucks, you get one of these sweet holler hats. We'll send them to you. Thank you all for the support. All right, let's get to the guests that we have. They've just come in here. Um, before I do, I, I'm going to ask them about something that I have a video for. So I'm going to play the video first, and then I'll bring them in. This is a video at the press conference that Governor Lee had where uh, he was asked about basically the stati- the l- learning loss statistics that the Department of Education shared that essentially declared that our students are learning are losing X amount of learning loss and there's been a lot of uproar about where she got these numbers. So that's the question, right? Do are they just making up numbers to push our students back into the classroom? Not to say that people aren't going to agree with the fact that that they lose proficiency by not being in school a little bit, but to just declare statistics without showing your work was problematic for people on both sides of the aisle. Here was her defense. This study, which was um, a study that was done by Credo, provided information. What we saw in that predictive estimate from the Credo study supported the idea that when children are not in the classroom for six months, you would expect that they're not going to learn as much. Do you know what district does that data come from? I think there's an outstanding request for that, so um, we'll be sure to respond back to you today. Oh, that, that smile, that Penny Schwinn smile. Penny I think that's Schwinn. the first thing I want to ask these guys about is that <laughs> condescending Penny Schwinn smile. So we have JC and TC here with us, JC Bowman and TC Weber, both education, I guess, advocates or, you know, what, what well, word would you guys use to describe yourselves? Educators. I mean, I'm just, you know. Educators. Okay. Yeah. TC, what are you going to go with? I guess advocate is as big as as good a word as anybody. You know, as okay. Anybody. Well, yep. thank you guys for for joining us. Uh, just so people know, they can follow you on Twitter at JC Bowman and at Norinrad10, which I don't know why that's your handle, but maybe you can tell me <laughs> why is it Norinrad. <laughs> when I first started getting into blogging, I had no idea how to put a blog together whatsoever. Um, I know I had no idea how to put. Um, a, a web address together. It was just a, a wholly amateurish effect. Norin Rad is the original name of the Silver Surfer, and it was as good a luck charm as any. So, all right. Well, that nice. makes sense. Well, well, so tell me, guys. Uh, let's start with you, JC. I guess because I knew you first. Uh, what is going on with these numbers? Do you feel like you've gotten any sort of answer where they came from? Uh, what, what's going on with the learning loss proficiency numbers? I think I think you hit it right, and I think one of the things that she's she's pulling these numbers out of two reports, Credo, which tends to be a more conservative group. They're all well respected. We'll throw that out. NWEA, uh, which is also well respected. They they are for a non-profit 
group that does an analysis of data. But then they did these checkpoints, which is where, uh, so they're trying to mix all three of them together and, and uh, project. They, they, they use some very interesting words and TC's done a really good job about writing about it. But uh, they're going to project and they expect. And, you know, it, it's just where she got. I mean, everybody in the education world is just baffled, you know, where she's got this at. And like you said, you know, learning loss. Sure. I mean, there's been some uh, we can't dispute it where, when, why, you know, uh, is de debatable and how much. But uh, the numbers that she's pulled out, 50 percent in reading, 65 uh, percent in math. I mean, you know, I could I can predict that the Cincinnati Reds are not going to the World Series 100 percent now. I was watching that game, but sorry uh, about that. Yeah, but uh, I'm a Braves fan, so it's a good, oh, okay. good, good <laughs> for me. But the uh, but but with that, but uh, so where she got the information, it has actually baffled everybody. And and to watch the governor stand there beside him, and and like defend it, uh, is is just another mind boggler for us. Well, she's an extension of him, and he has definitely stood by her. TC, you have written a couple of really good, or a few that I've seen really good columns about this. Again, Norinrad Ten. If people should watch it, tell us uh, what's your what's your take on what's I'm going on. Talk back a little bit what JC said about learning loss. We we know very little about learning loss. Okay, we're making certain assumptions based on the fact that they're not in schooling now. The summer slide is is a real thing. People talk about a summer slide, which means when kids aren't in school for an uh, extended period of time, they lose some uh, of the uh, of what we call learning over the summertime. Now, it's important to remember that doesn't happen for all students. Um, if you look at wealthier students or students from middle class, some of them actually gain over the summer because they're out going to museums, they're out reading more for pleasure. They're doing all these things that are actually increasing their scores. So the summer slide doesn't happen for everybody. Also, you can't extrapolate the summer slide. Like you cannot say, um, well, we lost three months of learning, so therefore you're going to lose, you're out six months. So that extends to twice as long. It, it doesn't work that way. Okay. The learning loss slows over a period of time and eventually it stops. Otherwise, you know, we'd have kids that were piles of jelly laying around after a couple of years, right? So you're making an assumption to begin with that there is a learning loss. Now, we have no way to discern how many students got tutors, how many parents became more involved and all these other things that affect that. NWA, which does map testing, which is, purpose, is purchased by MNPS and which also um, several other districts in the state ran a study way back in April where they said, um, hey, look, uh, we think that they're going to lose this much. Okay, it was a prediction. Now, when the uh, commissioner started talking about Credo, last week I picked up the phone and I said, well, let's call Credo. Let's find out what Credo has to say about this study, okay? They're the ones that supposedly put it together, right? So I talked to um, Maxie Raymond, who's the head of Credo, which does a lot of research in the reform area and with charter schools specifically, and said, let's talk. And, and so uh, I said, how did you translate loss of learning into uh, proficiency rates? And Maxie says, we never did that. We never converted it. Our study is taking historic data that we had the privilege to have through a partnership 
with the Tennessee Department of Education that goes back a decade. And through a series of models, we predicted what we felt kids would score on the next round of um, tea and ready, which will come up in the spring. Now, those are projections based on three different scenarios, one being that nothing was done, one being some schooling was delivered, one being, you know, more schooling was delivered. That was delivered back to the Department of Education. And it's important to note that's part of a much larger study that involves 19 different states um, that they're going to release the data from and break it down into to more metadata. Uh, I believe tomorrow is when she said that would come out. Okay, and so you'll get more information. But the important point thing here, they never created it, the data, converted the data back so that you could get proficiency. So there's nothing there from Credo to show that there would be translation to these numbers of 50 and 65%. Uh, furthermore, Credo, because I said, did you use, I asked her directly, did you use any current data? And she said, well, testing ended last year. And I said, well, some districts are doing MAP and some of these other studies. NWA is mentioned, you know, as a source for the director. Uh, and they said, no, we did not use anything new. The only data we used was historic data. Okay. So that data was not converted by either of those people she attributed to. Now we got to go in-house and say, how did you do this in-house and who's sharing what data? Is NWA sharing data is, you know, because some districts have done map testing at the beginning of this year. Where's that data coming from? Well, if you saw the press conference last Monday, the commissioner walked it back and she says, well, you know, we've got this checkpoint that was created. OK, and we made available to districts to start to get an idea where their kids were. Thirty thousand people have taken that. OK, 30,000 kids out of a million kids. That's a pretty small sample size. Now, they're arguing that it may be as high as 40,000 now. But they're focusing on third grade. How many of that? Do you, do you think that happened? I think there's probably 30,000 uh, kids that have taken that test. But remember, it's not a district decision. If I'm a eighth grade teacher. I may decide that I want my kids to take it, sign them all up to take it online with the idea that this data is only going to be used for um for me to figure out where my kids are at so that I can apply instruction at the level they're at. So all of a sudden now we've changed the rules and apparently Ms. Schwinn is using this data to do, um, to make projections and uh, justify policy, even though on their very own handout, it says right there, the data cannot predict. Hmm. Right. And JC, um, I saw her answer this question about the 30,000 kids, you know, do you, what, what you? I saw you shake your head. Do you think that thirty thousand kids took this test knowing what they were taking? Do you think the teachers knew what they were getting into? Because I heard there was a big backlash when she made this pronouncement from teachers across and, and districts across the state, saying we never even asked for any data. No, that's exactly right. And one of the other points that you got to make: first off, forty thousand kids took it, and she provided a list of districts that that, that took this test supposedly. And back to TC's point, say there's 40,000 kids that took it and you divide that over 12 grades and, and, and we're guessing at this and you're guessing at, but, but the maximum number of kids that possibly took it in third grade, maybe 3,000. Well, so one of the school districts on the list I've already talked to 
And one of the questions or the point she said was her high school students took the test in ninth grade because they were coming from eighth grade. They kind of wanted to get a snapshot of where those kids were. And uh, so they took the test. The information was shared without their permission to the state. The state went in and looked at their data without their permission. But no third graders took that test in that district. But yet their district is on the list. They are furious about it. And that's where we get into this is where liberals and conservatives, uh, left, right, center, everybody comes together and goes, what kind of data mining is going on with our kids? And yep. I mean, nobody likes that. Right. And that's what the backlash is. I'm going to come to you too, TC. The backlash has been bipartisan. And, you know, the, the bigger picture here is our, is our government being honest with us? And that right. is something that crosses party lines. You know, are they pushing an Are they using our kids to push an agenda? TC, is that what you see is going on? Quite possibly. You know, one of the things, again, to tag on to what JC just said there, I've heard from teachers across the state that, um, you know, some of them felt that that data belonged to them because it provided for them to get an idea of their classroom and nothing else. So, again, like you said, it's taking data that was meant for one purpose and utilizing it for another purpose. The other important thing to remember about that test is keep in mind that TN Ready measures all of a long list of standards the state of Tennessee has, okay? It is virtually impossible to get an assessment on all the standards of um, Tennessee with a 17-question checkpoint. So how did they decide what they were going to test? Who decided what standards were valuable, which ones should be thrown out, which ones needed testing? I, I don't know. We don't know because nobody's being clear about whether that was a test that was created in conjunction with uh, Pearson, who does our TN Ready, or, or whether they gave uh, Mike Hardy, who's in charge of assessments over there, a, a bank of questions. And he went, I'll take two of those. Let me have one of those. I don't need none of those. Give me three of those. Are we at 17? Darn, I wanted to get it down to 15. Ah, go ahead and make it 17. I mean, we, we just don't know. Right. You can't attest to the accuracy of what you're measuring if you don't know what the standards are. And they're measuring on third grade standards for fourth graders at the beginning of the year. So it's you have to continue to question the value. As far as agenda it speaks to, it speaks to a number of agendas. And it also it also gives insight. You know, initially I wrote that it was a little finger uh, to the General Assembly by her coming out and announcing it like she did on her on her um, in the governor's press conference. And I still think it's a middle finger assembly and the legislators, but I think it's it's not as intentional as I originally thought because I don't think the two of them even give a darn about the general assembly. I don't think they will end the conversation. I think it's exactly what the governor wants to do and is exactly what um, Penny Schwinn wants to do as an extension of the governor. Uh, look at the legislation already fallen to court. Right. That's what I was going to go to yeah. next is, 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 you know, we just, we're, we're now talking a day after the vouchers have lost another legal court battle. The, um, the voter bill. I mean, it's right. like, I mean, nothing paints, nothing paints a picture of, I don't care what you think, like but, a series of bills that get, you know, challenged by the courts. Justin, go ahead, before you go to that, let me, let me back up on something. Yeah. One, one point that I think, what, what was the motivation for her releasing those numbers? TC, TC mentioned it. He wrote about it. They, she met with the legislature 
less than 24 hours before she announced this, this, these numbers that came out. And she did not share that data with any of these 25 legislators sitting there. Now, I, I know that, that Antonio Parkinson is real upset. I know Scott Sapicki are real upset. They've been the two most vocal. A Democrat and a Republican are very upset that those numbers weren't shared. But what was the motivation? Is it to drive kids back to school? I've heard that. That possibly is there. I think that's kind of a, an agenda item that people have put out there. Is it to make the cause for vouchers? Mm-hmm. We're learning loss. Can we drive kids and uh, push vouchers? That's the other cause. And the third thing is this. Right now, the General Assembly is really leaning toward the value of testing this year. They don't see the value in it. So all of a sudden, you've made a, uh, 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 an argument for why, oh, well, these kids are so far behind. And I would argue this. I told the reporter from 17 this. I said, she just made the cause for if they're already this far behind, then you need to use that, that last six, eight weeks that you prepare for testing to catch these kids back up. I think she's made a, a huge policy blunder if she's done that. And is the so, is, is testing a, a lucrative contract for somebody? Somewhere? Oh, yeah. We we've gone up to about a hundred million dollars yep. in, right. in contracts for this. And, and by the way, wow. interestingly, uh, Checkpoint, which is also owned by Pearson, are the people who administer the test. Yes, and, and let's not forget, JC. While we're talking about this, is that last year she had a literacy bill. Uh, that she was driving down to drive through, especially targeted at third graders. It would be only one way to teach reading in the state of Tennessee. That would be the science of reading. Um, They would require three uh, benchmark tests uh, a year, which is similar to what RTI is, but the the indication was that the Department of Education would get that data. Um, And they would also, uh, there were a number of vendors that stood to benefit from this change. A number of vendors that spend a lot of money in the state last year, holding uh, seminars and holding workshops and uh, and assorted uh, investments in the state. Okay, that bill uh, had a forty million dollar price tag attached to it, and it was stopped at the legislative session. Okay, they did not get that bill passed, much to their chagrin. And not only that, after working very very hard to rig a textbook adoption process, the power to give waivers was taken away from the commissioner of education. So now on that very same meeting, and and I don't understand why it's not getting more scrutiny, it was announced that the Department of Education has a federal grant for $40 million, $40 million for for literacy. In other words, she's got the ability to do what she wants without legislators' appearance again or uh, approval again. So how much does setting up all this learning loss also call for implementing what she wants to do is literacy, which is ultimately going to take power away from the local education agency. Mm. There are a number of things at play in here. Yeah. Well, it, it does seem like everything is sort of tied together. And then obviously there are things like the amount of people that have left the department since Penny Schwinn took over. There's also, you know, the vouchers being passed with bribes and threats, according to Republicans. It seems like this education issue of all the issues is the one that crosses party lines the most. Right. Do you TC I'm coming back to you and you can say whatever you want to say, but I also want you to weigh in on like, do you think that there are pressure points here that Schwinn is in trouble or do you think she survives all this? I don't think there's any way she survives. I mean, it's, I went through a very similar thing locally with Sean Joseph when he was uh, superintendent of schools at MNPS. And there gets a point where, uh, you start to do a little cost analysis or, you know, reward and see where they can save themselves. And I just see a path they can save themselves. Um, I just, 
it, it's they can't get out of their own way. Now, it may take a month. It may take six months. It may take a year, but I don't see her surviving. Um, and real quick, to speak to what you talk about, the attrition rate at the department, there's a real there's a there's a, a sense of just dismissing that as kind of like, well, a lot of people don't like working for her. That's not the danger of that. What the danger is, is there is a limited number of people that have the capacity to do those jobs at the high level required mm -hmm. and lose them. You can't walk out to the apple orchard and pick three more and put them into place. So what happens is you have situations like we have right now with the data that nobody has competently analyzed that data. And we are not able to get accurate figures and accurate readings on where we are on our education. And that's where instruction and that's where it all starts to suffer. And that's why attrition is, is so important, not just because of, you know, hey, she's not a nice person to work for. Well, I've talked to people that agree with that. And I think you're right that we don't necessarily value the people that are in those positions enough. And I wanted to ask you both just as sort of a final thing here. Uh, you know, my general understanding of education in Tennessee is that we get an F in education funding that Republicans like to say that the basic education plan is fully funded, but that the formula is broken. And, you know, essentially we under underfund mm -hmm. these schools that in times like this, we're told are the most important things and we have to have our kids there. You know, do you guys think that education in Tennessee is underfunded and broken. Can we take it? Yeah, I, I do think it's underfunded. And I think there's a couple of reasons to that. We continue to add, if you probably noticed, she, she did a push for SEL inclusion and expanding it. Now, SEL on a basic level where you're trying to understand it, helping a kid who's hungry. Man, we're all on board for that. Helping a kid that has emotional problems. We're on board for that. But she was going to take an expansive program that they had tried to do through DCS, and, and the projected number was close to like $150 million, and she's going to run it statewide for a million dollars? We keep adopting more and more policies that, that, I mean, honestly, government needs to work better together. And I know that's a, a hard word to say because looking at where we're at you sound like a Hillary advocate. <laughs> yeah, well, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, but what's interesting is that, that we've got to work better together, but we need to let DCS do DCS stuff and we need to support them and we need to communicate and work together and, and do some of those things. And she just keeps expanding this out over there and we're, we're not blocking and tackling. Now, finance goes to, to the thing, you know, that we, we, we put more money and you'll hear Republicans say we put $502 million more or whatever the number is toward teacher salaries. That's true. The downside of it is it, very few of those dollars have reached the teachers that are in the classroom because they get absorbed by other pro, other other um, programs and other, you know, RTI and other unfunded mandates that we've also put on our schools. And so you're spending more money, but it's not reaching the people who are actually doing the work. So, yeah, yes, on funding. I give it an F with you. All right. TC, how about you? As funding goes, if you ask me if we're under if, if school districts are underfunded, all I have to do is ask you if they're not. Why is the governor getting together with his wife and uh, Commissioner Schwinn and basically starting a GoFundMe account for schools? I mean, obviously, they recognize it. There's a reason to get this money to schools. Right. So um, they went ahead and partnered with Prosperity or Prospit or whatever. I can't even get the name right. It's the worst trademark name I've ever heard in my life. And they're basically 
um, asking Tennesseans, not the government of Tennessee, but Tennesseans to put more money into schools. Um, that tells you everything you need to know right there is about how they feel about funding for the schools. The schools are underfunded and we have to have a state sponsored GoFundMe account in order to get the needed supplies to schools. It certainly does. Cassie, if you have any questions, I, I just want to end this by basically yeah. saying to them, you know, I appreciate that you guys are advocates the way you are. I, again, I think this is a bipartisan issue. The idea that we had enough money for vouchers in the in Governor Lee's eyes in that budget, but we couldn't deliver on promised teacher raises is a shame. And, you know, we get what we pay for. And it, and, and this is at the end of the day, uh, you know, it, it becomes an equality thing like you know, Williamson County schools are going to be okay because there's money here, but rural communities and the inner cities, that's, that's what really suffers. And that's why vouchers are such a problem because they steer more resources away from those schools. And there's a reason that Republicans in rural districts didn't want them for their own schools. So, you know, keep it, please keep an eye on this stuff. Keep informing us. Definitely check out at Norin Rad 10 and, and the writings of JC Bowman and TC Weber. You guys definitely uh, are are informative and it's it's really appreciated so thanks for coming on here and thank you for having us so much yeah. we really appreciate anytime you want me let me know we're glad to be on there appreciate it thanks guys we're gonna go ahead tc that anytime you want him let him know all right we'll do <laughs> thanks guys i'm gonna pull you thanks. out of here now we got more guests coming on but thank you for that thanks, very guys. much yeah thank, thank you, you. bye-bye that just really shows just how horrible the profit motive is in our education system that yeah. was a Good conversation. Good. Well, for me, just listening, you know, yeah, it's for um, me, just listening too. and, and, yeah. you know, it, it is, it is the profit motive for sure. Yeah. And it's the agenda of governor Lee to steer, you know, their real agenda is to steer money away from public schools, to set public schools up to fail. It's not just Lee. It's the, it's the Republican party in a lot of ways in Tennessee. And, uh, and, and they want to steer resources to private schools. There's a lot of money in this. A yeah. lot of money. And so in, at the end of the day, it's it's a heist. I see Sandra Rice, who are, our, you know, What About Us podcast host. Check that yes. out on the podcast network saying $1 million in the rainy day fund and a GoFundMe page. Exactly. Yeah. When is it raining if not now? When are right. we going to start spending some of this money? I, I always say, like, they love to debt shame the federal government while we depend on the federal government. Right. One of the most brag, dependent states. One of the most dependent states. And we brag about the – rainy day fund and our fiscal stability, but we have so many things that are going on un unpaid for and underfunded and education right. is definitely one of them. Uh, Joel, Alex says JC and TC were great guests, yeah. learned a bunch. Good. Thank you guys for being on here. Really, really do appreciate you guys joining us. And uh, Tuesdays, Thursdays, 2 PM holler hour. Thank you all for the support for hanging with us this long. Thanks and uh, again, this is your time. So if you guys ever had any, if you ever have anything to say, this is the time to say it. Yep. Come holler at us anytime. We will see you Tuesday. Thanks.